Well, listen, I hope you'll agree with me in this very first thing that I'm going to say to you today. I, I, I really hope that you agree that this is a true statement. Um, and that is to say that I never come to this pulpit, at least it's my intention, to never come to this pulpit and to try to um, puff you up with a lot of hype and a lot of good feeling fluff. Um, that's never my desire. It is my desire, truly my heart's desire, to be a faithful uh, and a faith-filled and a devoted shepherd of God's people. And to make sure that by the grace of God that we are always leaning into what God is calling us to do and what he is working within us to make us to become. It is my desire that I am always uh, leading you in surrender, calling you to surrender, but leading you in surrender. And calling you to servanthood, but leading you in servanthood. And that as such, we would go forward, uh, not with a lot of hype and, and pretend, but with just faithfulness and devotion to what God wants to do. I've learned over the years that hype is easy, but hype is not healthy. Hype doesn't build healthy Christians, and it doesn't build a healthy church. Now, on the contrary, what will build healthy Christians and will make a healthy church is consistency and devotion and surrender to the Lord. When we as God's people walk in consistent surrender and devotion to him. That's my desire. That's the kind of church we would be. And it's the kind of leader and pastor that I would be. Now I say all of that to you this morning to preface the next thing that I'm going to say to you. Because the next statement that I'm going to make to you um, feels to me a little bit out of character for me. It really does. It, it, it's true. Don't misunderstand me. It's a true statement. But it feels a little bit out of character. It doesn't feel like something that I would normally say or that I would normally speak to you in these kinds of grand or what some might consider grandiose or hyperbolic uh, sounding uh, words. But let me tell you what I really believe is true now that I've prefaced it with that. It is simply to say that I am convinced that 2022 is going to be the most kingdom advancing, Christ-exalting, uh, soul-winning, and personally transforming year that we have ever experienced together as a church. I mean to say, in more than 100 years of the history of Brookstone Church, and this church has a 110-year-plus history of ministry in this church, in this community, more than the three plus decades that I have served as pastor here, and more than any year that you've ever experienced here at Brookstone, I believe that 2022 is going to be the most Christ-exalting, kingdom-advancing, soul-winning, personally transforming year that we've ever had together. Now, Here's the thing, I struggled with saying that to you, not because I don't think it's true, I do believe that it's true, 
but it would be true whether I said it or not, right? So, I mean, it's going to happen as God does it, whether I say it or not. And that way, if I didn't say it, you wouldn't walk out of here going, you know, that pastor, he's all fired up first Sunday of the year. So I really, really wrestled with whether or not to make this statement to you. In fact, yesterday morning, I was at my desk at home, and I was really just kind of, you know, wrestling with, with making this kind of a bold statement. And right in the middle of that, I got a text from my friend, Tim Brady, who many of you know, Tim's a part of our church. He's been a part of our church, he and Libby and their, their family for years. Tim's one of our lead elders. And he texted me yesterday morning, literally while I was trying to decide whether or not to make this statement. Here's what he said in his text. He said, as I'm praying for you this morning, this verse came to mind. And he sent me Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, which says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In other words, Isaiah 43 says, I will do, God says, I will do what otherwise could not be done. I will make rivers in the desert. I will make uh, a way in the wilderness. And then Tim finished his text by saying, I believe that this is going to be a banner year for Brookstone. So after I got the text, I was like, I'm saying it, man. Thank you, Lord, for the confirmation. I'm just going to make the bold statement. I really do believe it. I'm convinced that this is the hour that God has called us to. Perhaps it's fair to say this is the moment that God has been preparing us for for so, so many years that you and I have been serving the Lord together. And I want to talk to you about that new year and what, what I believe God has determined that 2022 is going to look like for our church. Now, we're going to get into the text in John chapter number one, but before we do that this morning, I want to to begin my time with you by deconstructing our vision statement uh, just for a few minutes to make sure that we all understand it. I know that most of you know our vision statement. In fact, I'd love for us to recite it out loud together, and I hope that you could do that from memory. But since we haven't done it in a while, I won't put you to the test. I'll put it on the screen for you, and we'll read it. Would you read this out loud like you believe it? Let's say it together. We believe that Jesus came to build a church that would overpower the forces of hell and enlarge the kingdom of God, and we envision being that church. Now, most of you know that. We've embraced this as our vision statement for nearly a decade now. It is etched in steel and framed and hung on the wall out here in the main hallway of our church. But I wonder if sometimes we, we read that statement or we think about that statement and we don't really understand all that it means. So if you'll allow me a few minutes today, I just want to deconstruct it with you, parse this statement just a little bit, and highlight for you the five elements that are in this statement. And I want to begin with the first two little words, which are, we believe. We believe. You know, when we say, when we begin our vision statement by saying, we believe something, it emphasizes the fact that this is a shared confidence that we have in Christ and his work among us. In other words, it's important for us to know that that we don't need to say, well, the pastor believes it, and we're kind of going along with him, or the staff believes it, and they're kind of telling us about it. No, What we're emphasizing in this statement is we believe something together. We recognize it and we share a common, unified, uh, communal faith in this work that God has called us to do. 
It reminds me of the instance uh, uh, recorded in Mark chapter 6 where the Bible says that Jesus comes to Nazareth and he comes to Nazareth having already performed countless uh, miracles in the Galilee, countless powerful miracles. He comes to Nazareth and the Bible says that he could not do many miracles in their midst. It's an amazing statement. Uh, Mark 6, 5, if you want to go look it up. He could not do many miracles there. Why not? Because of their unbelief. So what the text indicates is that that when there is a power when we believe things together, that when we join our faith, when two agree on, on touching any one thing, when we say this is our faith, not the pastor's faith or another person's faith, this is our faith. We believe. The second part of that statement is that we believe that Jesus came to build a church. Now when we say that together, let me remind you that 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 statement, Jesus came to build a church, is our emphasizing of the centrality of the local church in the work of God. I want you to hear me very carefully. Jesus didn't simply come to save people. And he didn't come simply to bring a kingdom. Listen, Jesus came to build a church. And through that church, the gospel goes forth and people come to faith. And through the work of Christ, through that his church, he builds his kingdom in the world. When we say we believe that Jesus came to build a church, here's what we're acknowledging. We're raising the value of the local church in our own hearts and minds and families. We're saying the church is not secondary. I'm not going to let my participation, my prayers for, my investing in, my serving in my church be way down on my priority list. I'm going to raise it because Jesus came to build that church. And I want to be a part of it. We believe that Jesus came to build a church. Third element of the vision statement says, we believe that Jesus came to build a church that would overpower the forces of hell. And that statement is born right out of Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18, where Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It means the gates of hell shall not be able to hold it back. The gates of hell won't be able to stop the church. Listen, when we say we believe Jesus came to build a church that would overpower the forces of hell, we are affirming that we understand and believe that God has given to his church authority in the world, authority over the powers of hell, and that hell must shriek at the offense of the church. Praise God for that. You know, in the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, Jesus said, all power, authority, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Now you go in my authority and you preach the gospel to the whole world. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, last thing he said to his disciples before he left this earth and went back to heaven, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. When we say that the forces of hell will diminish or be overpowered, we are affirming that Jesus has given to his church authority in this world. The fourth element of this statement is We believe that Jesus came to build a church that would overpower the forces of hell and then fourthly, and enlarge the kingdom of God. This is the mission of the church. 
that this is what we are here to do. Now, by the way, we understand that one day, let me rephrase it, one glorious day, there is a literal earthly kingdom coming to this earth. If you believe that, shout amen. Jesus is coming, not as the suffering Savior, but as King of all kings, Lord of all lords, reigning over all the earth, we the saints reigning with him, and there will be a thousand-year millennial reign of Christ as King on the earth. I'm looking forward to that day. It's coming. But the kingdom of God is in the earth now. It's present here now. It's not a literal kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom, and we would define the kingdom of God as the place where men Submit to the authority of Christ. That's the definition of the kingdom of God, where Christ is king. And so we are called to enlarge the kingdom. That simply means that we proclaim the gospel and we make disciples and knees bow and lives surrender to the kingship of Jesus and the kingdom just got a little bigger. And when another one does it, the kingdom grew a little more. And where the kingdom advances, where people come to faith in Christ and and follow him as disciples, the kingdom of God advances. Are you with me? This is what Jesus came to do, was to build a church that would make hell shrink and the kingdom of heaven enlarge. Okay? And then the last statement, the last part of that statement, simply says, we envision being that church. Now when we say we envision being that church, Another way to say that would be we embrace becoming that church. We're not just acknowledging that that's what he came to do and God bless those who are a part of it. We're saying that's who we want to be. that's, That's the church we want Brookstone to be. And when we say we envision being that church, we are saying that we're not fully that church yet. And so we have some growing to do. We have some surrendering to do. We have some dying to do. And we have some some, uh, new life and power that Christ needs to pour into us. And so we're willing to embrace change. And we're willing to embrace transformation. And we're willing to embrace revival. Do you understand it a little better now? It's a collective faith where we understand the value of the church to defeat hell and to enlarge the kingdom. And that's who we want to be. If you understand, say amen. Now, with a little more conviction, not that you didn't do it with conviction the first time, but now that you understand it better, with a little more conviction, would you say it with me again? Let's do it. We believe that Jesus came to build a church that would overpower the forces of hell and enlarge the kingdom of God, and we envision being that church. May it be so to the glory of God. Now, this morning, I want to talk to you a bit about what that vision looks like, how it is that we carry it out. It's a good question. If that's our vision, then what, is, what, what do we do to make sure that that vision is coming to pass? It's a, it's a question we deal with in our Engage class every single month when we, when we talk about who we are as a church. And there are two things that we have historically embraced and continue to embrace as the two ways in which we are going to carry out this mission. That is that we are going to invest our prayers and our energy and our ministries in sharing the gospel with every man, woman, and child in our community. We're completely committed to getting the gospel out to our community. That We understand that it is the power of the gospel that changes lives. And so we're committed to getting the gospel out through sharing our faith. We're training and have trained and will continue to train hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people at Brookstone to know how to share their faith. 
We're committed to doing that through our missions ministry and our ministries, uh, age-specific ministries, as well as through preaching, pulpit ministry, radio, internet. We're committed to getting the gospel out to this community. And then secondly, we're committed and have been uh, historically to multiplying what God is doing in this place in other places through church planting and through multi-site church campuses. And so over the years, we've planted five churches throughout our community and in western North Carolina and eastern Tennessee, uh, one in uh, the Atlanta, Georgia area. So we're committed to taking what God is doing here and seeing it happen through church plants and campuses um, in other places. And so today, what I want to do is to tell you that we are going to be taking the next important steps in those two initiatives in 2022. I'm going to give you three uh, important elements of our vision for 2022 today. I want you to write them all down uh, so you don't forget them. We'll have them available for you on the website as well. But why don't you write this first one down? It comes right out of John chapter 1. Jot it down, then we'll look at it in the text. Here it is. In 2022, we will invite 20,000 of our friends, relatives, co-workers, classmates, and neighbors to come and see Jesus at Brookstone Church. In 2022, we will invite 20,000. That's not a random number. I'll tell you where it came from in a minute. 20,000 of our friends, classmates, neighbors, relatives, co-workers to come and see Jesus at Brookstone Church. Now, by the way, if you think, if you're thinking right now, well, that's kind of a grandiose goal, right? I mean, it's 20, how in the world are we going to invite 20,000 people to come and see Jesus at Brookstone? If you think that's a bit of a lofty goal, consider this. That when we accomplish that goal of inviting 20,000 of our friends to come and see Jesus, we will still have not invited 91% of our community. Now, what you think about it? 20,000 people is less than 10%. It's about 9% of our neighbors. And so when we accomplish this goal, it's not like we'll be able to say, hey, we've invited everybody in town to church. No, no, not even close. Because you and I need to realize that though we sit in a church like this on a Sunday morning and we love what happens here, the overwhelming majority of people in our community know nothing of this and there are tens of thousands of them, hundreds of thousands of them who do not know Christ. And so we will invite them to come and to see. I want you to look at John chapter number one, which many of you will be familiar with this passage we're going to see these very words more than once in this passage that we should invite people to come and see. And this is what we're going to do in 2022 with this initiative that I'm announcing to you today called Come and See. But let me show it to you in the verse and then we'll talk about it. John chapter 1 and verse number 43 says, The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and he found Philip and said unto him, Follow me. Now, Philip was of Bethsaida, which was the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip then went and found Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, by the way, I said earlier that my statement to you that this would be our greatest year of exalting Christ and winning souls and advancing the kingdom and being personally transformed ever, that was a pretty bold statement. 
I would suggest to you that my statement doesn't even come close to Philip's statement. I mean, imagine, he went to his friend Nathaniel and he said, do you know everything the Old Testament has promised us? Everything Moses wrote in the law about the Messiah, everything all the prophets ever said about the Messiah, you know all that stuff, Nathaniel? Yeah, I know it. We found him. He's here. That's a big statement. We found the one Moses talked about. What's his name? Jesus. Where's he from? Nazareth. And you know Nathanael's response. Look at the next verse. Nathanael says to him in verse 46, Nathanael said, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said unto him, read it out loud with me, say it, come and see. I love that answer. Come and see. Now, this passage, many of you are familiar with, it records the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. It records the, the, uh, at least parts of the ministry of John the Baptist, his message about Jesus. Uh, it records his announcing of the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, and it records the calling of several of Jesus' first disciples. Several of the original 12 are called to be followers of Jesus in this passage. Verse number 43, as I, as I read, Philip um, uh, goes to Nathanael, says to him, we have found the Messiah, the one the prophets and, and that Moses told us about. His name is Jesus. He's come from Nazareth. And, and uh, Nathanael says to him, well, can any good thing come from Nazareth? I've explained this to you before because Nazareth was a tiny little backwater village. Can any good thing come from Nazareth? And he says to him, come and see. Now, what an invitation this is. I mean, if you think about it, this, this word, this phrase, come and see, is a beautiful uh, invitation. Uh, it really means you don't want to miss this. Come, come see this. This is worth seeing. Um, a few days ago, I was in my office at home, sitting at my desk. I was looking at something on my computer. I forgot now what it was. Uh, probably a picture of grandkids. And I, was, I, I yelled to Tracy through the house, Tracy, come here. You got to see this. Come here. And she said, what? What is it? I said, come on, you got to see it. And like six minutes later, she made it in there, right? So she missed it. But, but by, by my excitement, I was saying to her, get in here. You've got to come and see this. Do you understand that when we invite people to come and see Jesus, we're inviting them to come and see the most worthy, most worthwhile thing they will ever see in their lives. It is this invitation that they, they don't want to miss knowing Jesus. It's also a challenge. I think this is more what's happening where Philip is talking to Nathaniel. When we say to a person like Nathaniel, come and see, we're challenging their skepticism because there are a lot of Nathaniels in the world. You and I know people. We work with people. We have family and friends who are skeptics about Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus like we do. They don't get why we love him so much and why we're so enamored with him and believe the Bible and go to church and sing songs. They don't get it. They're skeptical. And when we say to them, come and see, they may say, why are you so excited? Or why is your life so changed? Or why are you so committed to that? And our answer is, just, just come see for yourself. Just come check it out. Jesus can handle your skepticism. Amen. Jesus can handle your questions. He can overwhelm you with his power and his grace. You just come check him out. It's a challenge. And it's not only an invitation and a challenge, but it's also an instruction. It's the invitation to come and learn of him. 
to, to come and, and know him fully, to come and see what he's like. And when you read through John chapter number one, not just the few verses that we read, but the entirety of this chapter is a chapter filled with come and see invitations. In fact, most notably, you find a come and see invitation in chapter one, verses 32, 33. Look at it. 32, 33, 34, where John the Baptist says this. Um, verse number 32, he says, And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I did not know him. That is, I didn't know for sure that he was the Messiah. But here's how I would know. He that sent me to baptize with water, the same said to me, upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he uh, which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Now, if you notice, what John says is, I was invited to see something. What I was invited to see was the Spirit of God descending on a man. And when I saw the Spirit of God descending and remaining on one, I would know for sure that one was the Messiah. It was an invitation to come and see the Spirit of God on Christ. Now here's the deal. If y'all are with me, shout amen. Did you see what he said in verse 32? He who sent me to baptize with water told me to come and see. Are you with me? Who was that? Who sent John to baptize with water? Who told John to go baptize with water? Look at verse 6. Chapter 1, verse 6. There was a man sent from, say it, God. Hey, if you're listening, say amen. God himself told John to come and see what he would do in the life of of Jesus. Now that's a pretty good one to step in his footsteps, don't you think? If God is in to come and see, I think we should be in to come and see. John went on to invite all of the people that he preached to to come and see. Verse number 29, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Come and see him. He's the sin abolisher. He's the sin cleanser. Come and see him. In verse number 35, down through verse number 39, Jesus invites Andrew and another disciple to come and see where he's dwelling. That is to come and see more about him, to learn about him, to have a friendship with him. In verses 41 and 42, Andrew invites his brother, Simon Peter, to come and see the Messiah. Verse 46, Philip invites Nathaniel. Verse 51, Jesus invites Nathaniel to come see the power of God on his life. Or to see his divinity. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I think if I read in one chapter that God, John, Andrew, Philip, Jesus, all were come and see people, I want to be a come and see person. Amen? I want to follow in their steps. And so that's what we're going to do. In 2022, we are going to follow this model. Come and see the grace of Jesus. Come and see the power of Jesus. Come and see the friendship of Christ. Come and see the purity and the perfections of Christ. Come and see Christ forgive sins and restore lives. Come and see. Now I need to tell you that most churches are not come and see churches. Most churches are come and sit churches. Just come and sit 
And if you'll come and sit, then we're happy with that. Now, I don't want to be too harsh on that because coming and sitting is important. You came today. You're sitting. That, it's okay. It's good. It's important to come and sit. We all need preaching. But listen, if we're only coming and sitting, we're not doing enough. That's, that's not enough. So we want to be more than a come and sit church. Many churches are come and serve churches. I think Brookstone's a come and serve church. Hundreds and hundreds of you serve in very important capacities around here. And God uses your giftedness and your willingness to serve. That's wonderful. It's important. But we need to be more than a come and serve church. In 2022, by the grace of God, we are going to be a come and see church. We're going to do this through the launching of an initiative that we're calling this very thing, Come and See. It's beginning with a series, beginning today, uh, for a few weeks in January. We're going to talk about this from the text, but it's not just a series at the beginning of the year. It is a strategy throughout the entire year, where for all of this year, we are going to carry this vision forward through our teams and our life groups, our serve teams, ministry teams, and our life groups. That is, we're going to take this vision of inviting 20,000 people to come and see, and we're going to push it down through those groups of people and carry it out through those groups of people. Here's the way that's going to work. We have 122 teams and groups in our church, 122. Those 122 teams include about 1,800 people. And so we're going to put in place a strategy this year where we're going to empower one-fourth, 25% of those teams or 1,800 people every single Sunday to be inviting friends, neighbors, coworkers, classmates, associates to come and see Jesus. For every one of you, you will know if you're on a serve team or in a life group, this is my week. I'm inviting this week. It's my responsibility to have somebody come and see. And all the other 1,400 people, the other three quarters, are going to be praying for that one quarter of the church. Okay? 1,800 people, that means that every Sunday there will be 400 people who will be having someone that they've asked hopefully sit next to them in church coming to see. And there will be 1,400 people who will be praying for them. Now, we did this in our staff to test it out in, uh, in the month of December. So we divided our staff, about 40 people on our staff, and we divided our staff into groups of about nine, nine or ten people per team. And we said, team one, this is your week. You invite teams two, three, and four. You pray. All right? Teams two, three, and four are not allowed to invite anybody to church when it's not their week. I'm kidding. But their responsibility is to pray. All right? And this team's inviting. And then the next week, team two invites, and the other three teams are praying. And it just rotates each week. And then on week five, it's, week, it's team number one again, and we just keep rotating. And this will result in, this strategy will result in 20,000 people being invited to come and see. Look at verse number 46 again. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And uh, Philip says to him, come and see. Listen to me. In 2022, we are going to become the voice of Philip. And we're going to say to our community, at least 9% of our community, come and see what Jesus is doing. All right, that's the first part of our vision. Now, I would suggest to you that if you're not currently in a life group, or if you're not on a serve team, you need to get in a life group or on a serve team because you don't want to miss out on this because God's going to do something powerful. Second element of our vision, I'll spend less time on these next two, but the second 
element of our vision is this. Write it down. In 2022, we will launch two new campuses. 2022, we will launch two new campuses as we seek to surround Western North Carolina's largest city with the gospel. 2022, we will launch two new campuses to surround Asheville. Let me tell you something about Asheville that you already know. Asheville is a popular, cool, hipster, artsy town filled with lost people who are gripped by darkness. And I want you to hear me say that God has called Brookstone Church in this hour to reach this city with the gospel. I know we're not the only church in town and God's working through hundreds of churches in our town. I don't speak for them, I speak for us. And here's what I want you to know. This is our moment. It is our Esther 414 moment. For such a time as this, God has brought us into the kingdom. And it is our plan, our passion, and our strategy that we are going to reach this city. We're going to surround it with the gospel. And ultimately our plan is that we will have more than two more campuses. We'll ultimately add three more campuses. My hope is in the next three years that we will literally surround this city. Let me show you a map so you can visualize it. It'll help you. This is a map of Buncombe County and the darker images in the middle are the city city of Asheville limits. The little Brookstone icons represent our current church at at the top, that larger icon. That's this campus. The one in the middle, right in Asheville, that's our Merriman Avenue campus location. And then you'll see three more locations, one to the east of the city, one to the west of the city, and one to the south of the city. It is our goal. It is our plan. It is our passion and strategy that we will ultimately have a fully staffed and thriving Brookstone site at each of the gates to the city of Asheville. The north gate, Weaverville, we've got it. That we'll have a gate, have a site at the east gate to the city, at the southern gate to the city, and at the western gate to the city. And these campuses will all be placed strategically so that they, when they are all in place, will accomplish this goal that there will be a fully functioning, thriving Brookstone Church site within five miles of 95% of the residents of Buncombe County. And it will give us then the opportunity and the ability to reach communities of people that we have never had the opportunity to reach before. All right, let me give you the final thing, the final point of the vision, and, um, and we're going to be done. Write it down. It is that in 2022, and this is the last part that I'm giving you today, but it's by no means the least important. In fact, it is of primary importance. In 2022, we will pray more frequently, more fervently than we ever have before. And you need to hear me say that this vision of come and see, this vision of multi-site ministry is not going to be accomplished by the power of man. It's not going to be accomplished through the resource of people. It's going to be accomplished by the power of God. You see, you know this. When we pray, God moves. We uh, pray the place is shaken. When we pray, lives are changed. People are converted. Chains are broken. And lives are 
restored. And so we want to lean into this vision with a heart devoted to prayer. So how are we going to do that? Well, you've already experienced our services through December and January now that we're going to include more time for just prayer within our services. Let me tell you what else we're doing to raise the value of prayer as we go into this year. 1,400 people are going to be praying every single week for 400 people that are being invited. We're going to triple the prayers over the number of people that are being invited to come and see. The ladies of our church are beginning this year with an emphasis on prayer this coming Thursday night, and it's going to lead into a ladies' prayer emphasis all year long uh, through 2022. We have men's prayer events scheduled as well, numerous prayer and worship night events plan. Our staff is pulling away more frequently to pray this year. And one thing that I'm really excited about that's going to happen this year is that every single Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., the entire time that we're gathering in here for service, we're going to have a team of people gathered in a room down the hall praying specifically for that service. So we never gather that there's not somebody covering that service in prayer the entire time that we're gathering together. We're going to seek the Lord And that through his power and his provision that we will be able to fully accomplish this vision that he's calling us to. So let me end where I began by saying to you that I believe that 2022 is going to be the most kingdom advancing, Christ exalting, soul winning, disciple making, personally transforming year that we have ever experienced together as a church. And it's going to be because of God's grace and power in our lives as we carry out this vision. In addition to what God's already has, has us doing, in addition to the student center we're getting ready to start next week, we're going to reach out and invite 20,000 to come and see. We're going to pray. We're going to launch new campuses. And we're going to see God do amazing things. We're going to do it for one reason. I want you to turn one page to John chapter number three. Let me show you why we're going to do this. John chapter three, verse number 14, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is why we're doing this, loved ones, because everybody needs to come and see Jesus. Everybody needs to come and see the gospel and the grace of God. Jesus said something to Nicodemus in that passage that oftentimes we don't understand because we don't know the history or the story about Moses lifting up a serpent in the wilderness. It's recorded in Numbers chapter 28 where Moses makes a brazen or brass serpent because God's been judging the people with serpents, biting them, they're dying, and they cry out to God. He says to Moses, make a serpent, put it on a pole and raise it up and tell the people all they have to do is look and live. If they'll just look to what I've provided, they can live. And Jesus came to Nicodemus all those years later, and he said, Nicodemus, you know how God said, just make a serpent, raise it up, and if people see that, they can live? In the same way, I must be lifted up. And if I'm lifted up, people can come and see me. They can look to me, and if they will look to me, they will live. My prayer for you is that you will be a part, lock, stock, and barrel, 110% of everything that God has envisioned for us to do in 2022.